Well, it looks like the babysitting session is going to have to wait just a moment between we're, Trey. We're good. Holly. We're exchanging text. Give okay. me one second. Wonderful. We'll get to Michael Massey of FrenchStretch.com momentarily. But here's something that popped out to me, and there's two things about this. One is the idea that NASCAR drivers and teams were upset that NASCAR shortened the race on the fly Sunday at Chicago because there was a darkness issue and it wasn't exactly a, a venue equipped to handle darkness. Here's the thing, though. I'll play devil's advocate on that to a certain extent because SVG, Shane Van Ginsburg, who got the victory, spoke with Bob Pockers afterwards and mentioned that, well, he and his team, despite the race being shortened, they continued to stay dialed in and adjusted their car on the fly. I just struggled to get the tires up. Like, every lap I was learning, especially in the wet, the wet tires, nothing like I've ever driven. And then the slick, when it was still wet, I was just too cautious probably and too nice to people. And, um, yeah, when people showed the nose, maybe I could have shut the door and I just I didn't quite know the proximity of the car. So, yeah, as the race went on, I got more confident and got more aware of how the drivers race, how much room they give, and it was, it was an awesome race. Not like I expected after watching Coda and stuff like that. Adjusting on the fly. I mean, that part of what the job description is. Look, I get it, especially the Joe Gibbs racing cars, which seem to have something locked in maybe for a longer run over practice, and they had to try to adjust, and it ended up being that my guy Ty Gibbs, who once again finished ninth, that's like his you know calling card right now is finishing ninth. It's like the fourth time this year he's finished Do you ninth. need me to do the impersonation again? Go ahead. Ty guys. Oh, I said Ty guys. Ty Gibbs, going to sweep the weekend. I'm telling you, this guy, his odds are too good. He's in a Joe Gibbs car. He's going to sweep the weekend. Maybe coming back tomorrow in our votes of confidence. In the meantime, Michael Massey, FrenchStretch.com, with us in the fast lane. Michael, you would never, ever jump in with Trey Lyle to make fun of anybody, would you? <laughs> well, if I did a little, <laughs> would, that, uh, would that count as anything? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm not really sure if you're referring to somebody out in Boise, Idaho or not. Maybe he's somewhere else, but... <laughs> no, I would never make fun of him. Trey and I love Brian. We would never uh, make fun of him at he's all. Just, he's just chilling on his lawnmower right now with, you know, listening. Chilling yeah, yeah. Saying he's busy while really he's sending texts every three seconds. I mean, it uh, is yeah. kind of amusing. To he think he about cut this. he he does have a landscaping business. So He does. Apparently <laughs> so. But you guys always find a way to pile on this guy. So are you gonna jump on me as well? I mean Trey's making fun of me for my Ty Gibbs commentary, even though I've cooled off the last couple of weeks. Don't get me wrong, I'll probably come back, you know, it's just like in my DNA to eventually recommend Ty Gibbs again. Are you going to jump on me like Trey has, making fun of uh, my projections that Ty Gibbs will eventually get to victory lane? <laughs> no, I'm not going to make fun of that because I, I think that's an accurate prediction. I think Ty Gibbs will win a race uh, this year. I mean, r right now he could sneak his way into the playoffs. Then he gets that first win. All of a sudden he's the championship contender. Darn right. Seeing things optimistically. It's a man after my yep. own heart. Michael Massey. Well, well, he could clearly point out how I have a, um, you know, dying love for Sam Mayer in the Xfinity series. And that is, that hasn't happened yet. So yeah, I was going to say, I can't quit Ty Gibbs and you can't quit Sam And ironically, Mayer. we've already seen if we take your driver and my driver and put them in a fight, we know who would win. So there we go. <laughs> yeah. Well, Y'all saw that in person in Martinsville not too long ago. So, Michael, we will ask this. 
We touched on this as we were efforting to get you into the fast lane from frontstretch.com. Is it reasonable to criticize the other Joe Gibbs cars, notably James Small, crew chief for Martin Truex Jr., and Christopher Bell, who were upset that NASCAR shortened the race on the fly when, and granted, he won, but Shane Van Ginsburg, a.k.a. SVG of Trackhouse, they found a way to adjust on the fly, and isn't that kind of part of the job description, even though uh, you know maybe no one knew about this beforehand? You have to be prepared for something like that? Yeah, I mean, it's no different than if, uh, you know, Bell had pitted and got a speeding penalty or, uh, you know, tire left the pit box or something. He got sent to the rear. Uh, we see that all the time where the dominant car gets sent to the rear and either they work their way back up or they don't. And that's the thing is Bell and Truex, they had just as good an opportunity as Shane Van Gisbergen. I, I can say it right, Rick Allen. Uh, but... It, they had just the, the equal opportunity, and what did they do instead? They drove into the tire barrier. Did uh, shortening the race 25 laps cause them to drive into the ter- tire barrier? <laughs> is, that, is that what made them make a, a racing mistake? I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, it, I think it was just um, a little bit of sour grapes on their part. And the funny thing is I talked to Chris Bell afterwards, and he didn't say a lot. But the look on his face said it all, just how mad he was uh, that, you know, he felt like he got robbed of the race, even though I don't really feel that way. No, I mean, I I don't either. You know, at some point you got to adjust on the fly to the strategy and it's not necessarily the ideal circumstance and situation. But big picture at the end of the day, whether it's that NASCAR trying to get the Xfinity race in and thus forcing teams to stick around, but not actually racing it on Sunday, that while there's a lot of collateral damage, ultimately this was still a win for NASCAR, just given the attention it got and the fact that now they've got some kind of a blueprint for how to pull off a street race in Chicago if that administration wants NASCAR back and they can work it out, or somewhere else if things get too thorny. Yeah, I think that really the only losers on the weekend, well, the Xfinity teams um, having to stay an extra day, you fork out money for hotels and um, you switch around flights and all that stuff uh, to not even turn any more laps. But I don't really know how you could have done that differently. Uh, and then the fans that bought tickets for the full weekend, and they're you know they're expecting to see a Chainsmokers concert. And uh, Miranda Lambert and like all these, you know, music acts and stuff, and as well as two races. And really, what they got well, when you combine the two races uh, and the amount they were shortened, you got like one full race <laughs> through the weekend. So I would hope that maybe there would be some refunds uh, to people that because those tickets were not cheap. But from a from a TV perspective. Uh, it was a huge, huge win, and uh, TV rules all now in sporting events. Well, we know that, and everybody's been made keenly aware of it. Um, if I'm a NASCAR fan, particularly for something like this, which is built up as this huge event, not just a race, but all the ancillary parts and pieces around it, and you have to pay for the concert, would this not give you calls for saying, you know, maybe I don't go all in on a trip to an event like this or a place like this knowing that, if things go south, I may be left holding the bag and NASCAR is going to use that money instead of giving it back to me. They're going to give it back to the events themselves because we all know these high-paid musicians really need the extra money uh, as opposed to me who might actually need it. <laughs> yeah, I 
I could definitely see if you had a ticket for the weekend, you you might not go to another race just because you thought you were going to get more of your money's worth. Um, I, I think that you know if you want, if NASCAR wants to leave a positive impression on these fans, maybe they offer them like a free ticket to a future race or something like that. We see that. Uh, I believe that's like the SMI's rain policy, where if like it gets rained out, you can't go. They'll give you a, a free ticket to a future SMI race. Um, so maybe something like that. But yeah, I think the, the problem from the start, I believe, is that they really build the concert as too much of a week. It felt like the advertising was like, here's these awesome concerts. Oh, there's also a race going on. Um, whereas, you know, the cup race should have been the key marketing factor the whole time. I mean, Richmond used to do the same thing where the Chevy Rock and Roll 400 had all these awesome music acts, but they sold the race first. And I, I think, you know, back then, if any of the fans didn't show up, it wouldn't have been a huge deal because that's not how it was marketed. Michael Massey, M underscore Massey 22. He is Trey's colleague at frontstretch.com. And the two of them tag team to mercilessly pick on and harass. Lies. And this is all lies. Brian Nolan of frontstretch.com. Man, Brian's going to be so happy with you. You know, we got to get him back on at some point, so I got to keep him in my good graces somehow. You're the, only one that dis- you're the only one that defends Brian Nolan. I mean, look, you know, sometimes you just got to do it. Anyway, Michael, the event itself, what does it mean for NASCAR? Is it bad or is it good that SVG came in as a one-off driver and found a way to get to victory lane? And not only did that, but he knew how to slice and dice his way from 20th to first over the last third of the event. So I don't think it's – I mean, I get from an outside perspective, if you didn't know anything about NASCAR, and you're like, oh, this all, this uh, New Zealand guy, I almost said Australian, I almost put a dollar in the in the jar for that. Uh, this New Zealander uh, came in and beat all these regulars. They must be terrible. But if you actually follow the sport closely, I feel like it's not a huge slap in the face of these drivers because – they, they've never done a street course before, and this guy, like, half his schedule is street courses. So he's got a whole leg up on it. It'd be like if um, the Supercars series in Australia that he races regularly decided that they were going to do a, you know, a, a 2.5-mile oval with only left turns and have restrictor plates on it, and then, uh, you know, Brad Keselowski or Joey Logano went over and won it. It'd be, it's right in their wheelhouse, so it wouldn't be a huge shock, and it wouldn't show that those drivers are bad. So I, I think that people that follow the sport more closely won't see it as bad, but maybe those outsiders, it's not a great look to them. I think it was a lot of outsiders that did watch the race uh, because you know it was the most watched NBC race since 2017. Michael, last one for you. Outside of Sam Mayer winning the Xfinity Series race for Trey and Ty Gibbs winning the Cup Series race for me. That would be our ideal weekend. I mean, it really would. The fast lane would be (laughs) just rolling this coming Monday when we return. Outside of that, what's the best way that NASCAR can build on the momentum from the Chicago street course, starting with 
a trip to the hot, steamy ATL. And no, we're not talking about Magic the Gentleman's Club or the Pink Panther or whatever <laughs> it is. We're talking about the racetrack just outside of Atlanta. Uh, I think there's a few ways. You know, obviously, you need a good race uh, where there's multiple lanes and passing, uh, which the super speedways haven't been that great in the next-gen car. So hopefully we we see something better than we've seen. And then I think, you know, something that would continue to move the needle would be either an underdog win like a Corey LaJoy, um, you know, stealing a playoff spot. I I think that'd be big. Uh, But on the flip side, Chase Elliott, you know, he he moves the needle for the sport. Him winning at his home track again and uh, getting in the playoffs despite missing so many races. I think that would be a huge storyline as well to kind of keep it going. Yeah, those would be really good, especially Chase at the home track. And you're right, there's been some slow momentum building from that number nine team, and it might be able to put Mr. Hot Take Trey Lyle in his place, believing that maybe Alex Bowman has a better chance to make the playoffs than Trey Lyle. I heard that on the (laughs) Happy Hour podcast earlier, and I'm sitting there going, Hey, uh, you know. Hey, Chase Elliott will not make the playoffs. That's what I said. Will Alex Bowman make it instead? <laughs> I think I don't think so. I don't think either make it at this point. I think Chase is more likely to make it than Alex Bowman. I agree with that. Bowman has a lot, le- lot more room to work with, though. Yeah, but who's racing better right now? Recent form. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So. I'm, and maybe I'm trying to, Mo. and I might be trying to will that thirteen to one Chase Elliott championship ticket to at least get him to Miami or to get him to Phoenix at the end of the year. So I've got something uh, to fall back on. Anyway, Michael, thank you for your time today in the fast lane. We do appreciate it. In all seriousness, we'll keep it locked to frontstretch.com and at m underscore massey twenty two to see what you and Trey are throwing in terms of haymakers in the direction of colleague Brian Nolan. <laughs> of course. Also, uh, keep keep track of my content coming up. I'm going to be at four of the next six SRX races. Um, so we're, we're shifting focus now from uh, NASCAR to SRX for the time being. Yes. For myself. He yes, gets to meet indeed. Frank Beamer. That is a uh, really cool thing. Well, congratulations on that, Michael. Enjoy it. And, yes, we'll keep it locked to your content also. For sure. Thanks for having me on, Ed. It's it's always a great time. Always fun to make fun of Brian Nolan too. Oh, just just so. <laughs> <professional>. <laughs> All, right. All right. On that group laugh note, let's go to Oliver Hodgkinson next in the fast lane because he'll talk some college football and restore some credibility and sanity to the fast lane on the CBS Sports Radio Lynchburg app.